Такие, такого рода домогательства, которые совершаются без моего согласия и против моей Если воли. Вашим согласием это... это не домогательство. Да, это желание. And so this is this was probably one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen and heard uh, uh, in my time as a journalist, and that's a, that's a pretty long time. I can really feel that uh, you know these are these are my colleagues, and I will stand up for them. Howdy folks, welcome back to another episode of The Russia Guy. Today I spoke again to friend of the show, Alexei Kovalyov, an investigative journalist in Russia. We discussed the latest developments in the scandal surrounding State Duma Deputy Leonid Slutsky, who was exonerated this past week by the Ethics Committee, despite accusations by multiple women journalists who say he sexually harassed them at different times over the past several years. The committee's decision, as well as the insulting questions its members asked two of Slutsky's victims during the inquiry, have enraged the Russian news media and provoked a boycott by dozens of outlets on reporting at the State Duma. Let's get into that. So what are you going to learn about in this episode of The Russia Guy? Who is Leonid Slutsky? What kind of career has he had in Russian politics? What exactly happened at the Ethics Committee inquiry on Wednesday, March 21st? How did the media boycott of the State Duma take shape? And how is the state-run media, which isn't part of the boycott, handling the Slutsky scandal? How will the boycott influence reporting on Russia's legislature? And how important is the Russian State Duma anyway? Now here's my interview with Alexei Kovalyov. For people that are, first, are coming to this scandal for the first time, who is Leonid Slutsky, and you know what is what did he do? What what happened? How did this become such a such a media storm? Leonid Slutsky is a senior lawmaker in the lower chamber of the Russian Parliament, uh, the State Duma, uh, and uh, he's a pretty high up in the in the hierarchy because he heads the uh, International Affairs Committee, very trigger trigger ha- trigger happy switcher Alexei Pushkov, mm-hmm. who is always in the news commenting on something, but Slutsky uh, is. Uh, a very important figure there, not because uh, he has drafted uh, uh, so many important laws. No, he hasn't. In his five terms in the Duma, he, uh, he was only a co- uh, co- he only co-authored three bills, and that's it. So, so his track record, so his track record as a, as a legislator is uh, is pretty tiny. Uh, but that's not what matters, and that's not why uh, Putin personally uh, uh, lobbied for him to be the uh, uh, the uh, a uh, committee had for inter- foreign, uh, foreign, foreign relations. Uh, that's because uh, he's uh, uh, from this uh, uh, a very unfortunately named uh, Liberal Democratic Party of Russia, which is neither liberal or democratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, best I, the best I can describe it is uh, the far-right populist. But because it is a far-right populist party, it has long-standing relations with the uh, uh, right wing parties in Europe. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, Slutsky is using his connections in these uh, far-right circles, uh, like the National Front in France and the, the, that kind of thing, okay. uh, to uh, uh, to bolster Russia's uh, standing on the inter- in, on the international arena. So he's using these uh, uh, these whatever you call them, fellow travelers, useful idiots uh, in uh, in these right-wing parties in Europe, yeah. uh, to serve as these 
as the as the speaker had uh, election monitors uh, who only come to dine with him in, in Moscow and then appear before the TV cameras to say that uh, those were the most transparent and honest elections they've ever seen in their life and then go away. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh, that, that's what he does in the Duma. He's uh, he's he's pretty uh, uh, he's one of those people who who are you know riding the wave. They have uh, uh, he's extremely rich. Uh, he has. Uh, whole garage of flashy cars and he's uh uh the the, the news broke just uh, a couple of weeks ago uh that he has um 825 traffic violation uh in 2017 alone and he doesn't does he have a Megul he doesn't have a Megulka, right he's just driving around in fancy cars he has yeah he's just driving around uh, under the traffic cameras and they keep finding him uh, but he just doesn't care he hasn't gotten pulled over each time. Those are like those are camera violations that they're they're just logged somewhere in the system. Yeah, and he he keeps ignoring them because he because he can because he has immunity, and uh, no sane traffic cop will ever uh, raise the, uh, the you know the stick the you know the uh, the the striped stick to uh, uh, to pull him over. So there's not some like there's not some automatic like system in place that just revokes somebody's license or sends the that dispatches like a tow truck to go claim his vehicles or something like that it requires some kind of action that the police are not willing to take yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and uh no, th those kind those kind of those kind of people are immune to all of those rules but he's getting like a ticket like every day right or every other day that's like what it averages out to right uh yeah radio station uh one of those uh media outlets that uh declared a media boycott on him. Right, we'll get to that, yeah. Uh, they reported the other day that it, on, on the day uh, that he was supposed to appear before the ethics commission, on that day alone, his car committed 10 traffic violations. <laughs> 10 traffic violations. Uh -huh. So this is, the kind of, this, is the guy, this is the kind of guy we're talking about. Is he driving behind the wheel, do we think, or does he have a driver who he just tells to put the pedal to the metal every time? No, he's driving shotgun, and you can see actually see his face in, the, in, in those... Uh, He's in the passenger seat. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, so this is the kind of guy we're talking about, and he, apparently he sees all the, uh, all, all the women that are not fellow legislators uh, as available, because they're coming to see him, they're, they're reporters eager for an interview or a comment for their article or whatever, uh, and uh, from what these women are saying, and uh, three of them came out publicly, uh, BBC Russians Farida Rostamova, uh, TV Dorsh uh, Darya Zhuk, and uh, Yekaterina Katrikadze from RTBI, which is based in New York. Who did not who did not attend the ethics committee uh, inquiry, right? She was the one who didn't come. Because she, she's based in New York. Uh, and um, uh, so what happens uh, is uh, they are approaching him for an interview. And he uh, takes them to their office, locks the door from uh, from the inside, and go goes on gro groping them, uh, and they are fleeing in tears and he, uh, and uh, traumatized and uh, uh, and um, Medusa actually ran a story uh, the, the other day uh, where uh, the same story they're telling the same story all the uh, all the women reporters from the state media or whatever, and they just you know they're. they're the editor, the editors that when they when these young uh, reporters are uh, coming to the editors in, che in tears, crying, the editors are telling them, "Well, now you know, now you know how it is. So the best you can do is just, is just." Uh, right. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the club and hire yourself a therapist. That's how I, I I'm surviving in the business.
Alexei is referring here to Medusa's interview with an unnamed woman reporter at one of Russia's state-run news agencies. I thought I'd take a break from our talk and read an excerpt from Medusa's interview here. So here's a part of what this unidentified woman said. Once they sent me to some meeting with deputies at the State Duma. I was terribly late. I showed up totally out of breath, and miraculously, I thought at the time, I managed to catch the deputy I needed in the hallway. I'd really rather not give his name, but it wasn't Slutsky. I ran up to him and begged him to repeat his position, which he just told the others, and answer a couple of the questions that my editor wanted me to ask him. Oh, honey, you're so excited. I am at your disposal, the deputy said. I remember his words exactly. I was taken aback that he was so informal so suddenly, but I went ahead and started asking my questions. Instead of answering, he began patting my head, like he was being very tender or something. So I was standing there, holding up a recorder, and he was just stroking my head. I pulled away and asked him if he planned to answer. Looking at my chest and smiling like some vile cartoon villain, he said that I was a very pretty girl, and he would be happy to continue the conversation alone in his office. The blood rushed to my face, my legs went cold, and I started swearing at him. I think it was the first time, and the only time in my life, that I've talked to a stranger like that. I can't remember what I said verbatim, but I told him something about how repulsive and disgusting he was, and that I was just sick just looking at him, and how disgraceful it was to behave like him in the halls of the State Duma. I even scared myself, and then I left the building almost running. On the way back to the newsroom, I was thinking about how I'd tell my editor everything, about how she would come to my defense, and about all that. I ran into the newsroom and told her everything, asking her to reassign me, to send me anywhere but the State Duma. It was a naive request, of course. I understand that now. When I told her everything, my editor just looked at me and said, Oh dear, you're off to a good start. A lot of people have gone through this. The only thing I can do is recommend a good therapist. I've been going for many years but I can't stop sending you on these assignments. Nobody likes them. At first, I wanted to quit immediately, but then I talked to some colleagues and realized that no matter where I was working, these officials would still be there, and I didn't want to leave journalism altogether. So in the end, I decided to keep working, and later my supervising editor became someone else, who also wasn't too surprised when he heard people's stories about deputies being rude and making advances, but at least he takes such behavior a little more seriously. Since the incident, there are many times I've met the jerk who tried to pet my head at the Duma. When our eyes meet, we both make stone faces as if we'd never met before. Since that day, when I was so terrified, the stone face has become an integral part of my work with deputies. I get it ready any time before sitting down with them, and I ask my questions in a strict voice, because if you allow yourself even a drop of humanity, in seconds, you could find somebody's hands all over you. The journalists that have come forward, the three that have come forward uh, openly, and then there are, I think, two more that have said that have spoken anonymously, and the, the list is kind of growing. As you said, there are there was a journalist with an undisclosed that works at an undisclosed or unnamed state media agency told Medusa yesterday that that she experienced something similar and you know it seems like it's this is sort of something that happens all the time unfortunately and they came they came out these women have been coming out against Slutsky in in particular and they had this ethics 
uh, committee hearing on Wednesday, I believe. And what exactly happened there? And so this is this was probably one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen and heard uh, uh, in my time as a journalist, and that's a, that's a pretty long time. So these two young women came for help, for support to this uh, uh, ethics committee. And what happened that they were basically harassed uh, by these uh, a room uh, full of powerful men and a, and a few women, right? Yeah, and uh, and and a few women, yeah, who who were even even worse, and they, all these people were. Extremely power, powerful people, and uh, they were trying to shut them, shut them down, basically humiliate them, uh, saying, "Well, well the, the, uh, the whole gamut. Uh, I mean, everything you've heard in the uh, in the Weinstein uh, uh, story. Why, why have you been silent for so long? Why are you coming out now? Not, not, uh, not when it happened. Uh, why?" Uh, are you you're just trying to fleece the, these honest men, and you're all prostitutes. You're all dre- uh, you should be dressing more modestly. And uh, uh, this was his rea- Yes, that was that was actually one of the women who said that. That uh, uh, none of them were actually trying to dispute the fact that it happened. They were actually defending his, his rights. They were def- all these people were defending this guy Slutkis' rights. Uh, to uh, grope women unwilling to to to, to engage in any uh, sexual relations with him. Okay, so yeah, so the the outrageous ethics committee hearing or in, inquiry rather, and you've got powerful men or or at least you know men that have been in the Duma long enough. I don't know if it's right to call them powerful necessarily, but they have power over the journalists insofar as they are the sort of you know. Um, they they have the key to the gates of the comments that they need for their stories, and so they have this influence over them. And the, I suppose the same is true of the women members of the committee. And, um, yeah, we have this sort of disgusting display of not just insensitivity, but, like, I don't know, aggression or violence toward these women almost. And uh, um, and then, yeah, so then the, the their ruling is that Slutsky didn't do anything unethical, essentially. But his actions... They didn't. Cons- they don't consider his actions to have been a violation of the behavioral code for the Duma deputies, which is to say that they don't deny his actions. They just don't think that they're unethical. And then, with right, and now that and with that ruling, there has been this growing boycott of reporting at the state Duma. And can you explain, like, what does that mean? So I know because I know some outlets have said that they're just not going to work with Slutsky and any members of the ethics com- committee. And others have they are they the others are boycotting the state Duma entirely, I believe. And then there's also, as a as a reprisal, essentially, journalists that are part of this boycott are being stripped of their parliamentary accreditation. And so, can you tell me what exactly is this boycott sort of actually? Um, uh, that's what what's happening is a um, unprecedented solidarity uh, in the media, which in Russia is pretty fractured, uh, like I guess anywhere. Uh, so we've got in the independent outlets uh, with a liberal slant, and we've got state uh, a huge monopoly of state-owned outlets uh, with a loyalist slant and that kind of thing. But what I'm seeing right now is that everyone working for any kind of outlets, like whether it's a small independent outlet or whether it's a, a huge state media conglomerate, all are united in their complete disgust and rejection of this behavior. Uh, and what happened was, first it was one of the uh, business, uh, independent business outlets, RBC, uh, which had 
the, the day that uh, ethics committee uh, happened, uh, they declared that they will be withdrawing all of their uh, correspondents and reporters from the Duma. And uh, uh, which means that they won't be covering the, the Duma in any capacity because they will, none, none, of the, none of the reporters will go there anymore. And so did several other outlets. Yeah, they'll still they'll, they'll still write about legislation, I assume, but it's now they just won't have their they will not contribute correspondence to the parliamentary press pool. So they won't be there for the sort of all the press conferences, and they won't send people into deputies' offices where they'll you know, they could potentially be molested or harassed. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to for RBC, right? Yeah, okay. and that's and several other outlets are pretty huge. Uh, they they said that they they just don't feel safe for their reporters to go to the Duma. Which is a pretty convincing argument. If you see, if you see these people just shout, these girls like, "We have the we have the right to grope and harass you, and you don't have the right to say, you don't have the right to say no." Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty convincing argument that we, uh, our reporters just don't feel safe in that kind of environment. Uh, and others said, and that, this is this is an idea that I myself brought a couple of weeks early, uh, a couple of weeks earlier when the news broke first, uh, that. Let's just let's just agree to not approach uh, Leonid Slutsky. Uh, Slutsky. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying I keep saying his name. Yeah, I know it's hard. <laughs> you look at it in English, you want to say Slutsky. I know. No, I know. It's Slutsky. Slutsky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let let's just agree to not approach Leonid Slutsky for any comments unrelated to this story. Uh, let him feel the pinch, uh, because actually, uh, and that we'll come to that later. Uh, they, uh, he, and uh, actually uh, everyone in the Duma is pretty much obsessed with their with their media rating. Uh, so, uh, uh, and you know, most of the stuff, you know, most of the stuff he's saying is 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 pretty worthless. Just generic sound bites. He's saying stuff like, "Oh yeah, you know, South and North Korea should cling to their should, should uh, stick to their agreements," or something something like like pretty pretty bland and generic. Uh, so it's not like we are. So not, it's not like we're losing a, a, a valuable source anyway. So we, we, can, we can afford to ignore this guy. And uh, actually, we, yeah, so we, we can all just agree to not approach him for any comments. Let's just keep all up, how can you be such an asshole? Uh, and not, not ask him any other questions. We can, we can afford to do that. Uh, and, and yeah, it's actually, that, that's actually what, what uh, most of the outlets in this, uh, in this boycott are doing. And that's... Uh, that's I think over 30 different outlets uh, now, uh, from uh, from across the spectrum. So earlier you could say that it's an issue that only concerns the liberal media, uh, uh, like uh, you know human rights or you know cops uh, beating uh, reporters at a rally, and uh, you know there were protests and pickets at the Duma and the and the investigative committee, uh, but. You could just uh, you, you could just dismiss it as uh, some liberal bias, you know, liberal snowflakes. Uh, but no, it's uh, now it's something much much bigger than that. And uh, I've spoken to many people in the, in the state media agencies. Uh, of course, they won't be. Uh, of course, their outlets, like a, a huge a state-owned uh, TV network or state-owned news agency. Uh, they won't. Obviously, they won't uh, officially join the boycott. But from what I'm hearing, uh, their editors are, are very much understanding, and they won't interfere if they if if, if their employees will join. Uh, 
So we found a way. Uh, so I, I'm representing the Independent Journalists Union. So there's an official uh, journalists union in, in Russia, which, ha which, actually, which actually is opposing the boycott, and they're, they're supporting, supporting Slutsky. Uh, uh, so, um, right. This is the Moskovsky Komsomolets chief editor. Yeah. So this is a, an old Soviet tabloid, and he's uh, an old school uh, Soviet editor, and he's pretty loyalist. And yeah, but that's what you could expect from him because he's he's actually I, I know what it, where it comes from because he's uh, uh, he's uh, his offices uh, and his Moskovsky Komsomolets editorial office and the. Uh, 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 and the uh, journalists union they are all have they're all leaving the, the state is leaving their uh, uh, the offices to them uh, like Ramsey. Uh so yeah <laughs> you wouldn't want to cross the uh, uh, you know the higher ups um, so we have these uh, much smaller uh, uh, but spunkier independent journalists union so we started a petition we started a petition uh, to uh, different international uh, bodies like the Interparliamentary Assemblies and European Parliaments uh, uh, and uh, OSCE Parliamentary Assembly, those kind of uh, those kind of places where Slutsky is representing Russia. So uh, he's uh, he he always when, whenever there is a delegation uh, from Russia to one of these Interparliamentary Assemblies, Slutsky as the member of the um, uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, in the, uh, Russia's main leg le legislative body, he always leads the delegation. So we sh we're basically sending letters to these uh, uh, to, to these places and telling them, "Are you aware what this guy does at home? Like uh, you are, you have on your agenda of your assembly like women's rights and uh, you know gender balance, and you're I, 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 we are we know that you're pretty serious about these matters." So you should probably review these guys' compliance with your with your own ethics code. And the reason we are doing this is because actually the the opinion of those people, like in the in the European Parliament and that that kind of thing, the the, the international uh, uh, you know the international political uh, uh, jet set, it matters so much more to him uh, than the domestic opinion because. Uh, he knows he can just uh, you know he can he can call the editor in chief of a state news publication and just shut down all the all the negative uh, you know coverage of himself because that's how it works in Russia and he can he can he can he he's just he he, he he's convinced that he can do whatever and bear no consequences in inside Russia but that's not how it works outside of Russia so we are hitting him where it hurts. Yeah, and I'm looking at the petition right now to the OSCE, and it, it you've got it looks like over 500 signatories now. M many of these people have work at you know established news agencies, and then you've got a lot of freelancers. And I'm seeing that it looks like six or seven are actually from RT, and and maybe three of those people are are men. And so, what do you think the significance of that is? Because I know that Medusa took gave or got an interview from from a, a woman who works at RT yesterday, and she claimed that the newsroom wasn't really buzzing with the Slutsky story. And she said that it's probably because RT focuses on international, the international news agenda. But it, it would seem that judging by the, the, um, the open letter and the signatures that you've collected, if they're not talking about it in the newsroom, they're certainly talking about it somewhere because you've got, you know, you've got, you've got several people here from RT and from other, you know, uh, from other news organizations that are not uh, joining the, the boycott formally, you know, 
Rhea Novosti and uh, let's see, do you have Toss on there? There's there's one from Toss. Um, Interfax. I don't see one from Interfax, so it looks like Interfax is the odd man out. But you have some from Rhea. You have some from uh, from Rhea uh, and um, Toss and RT. And so what what's the how, yeah, you, what, what do you think the significance is of the fact that these organizations, as organizations, have not joined the boycott, but clearly many of their staff are they they support the crack the crackdown on on you know Slutsky in particular, but but presumably this is this is a bigger movement than just him because we know that the the, the mistreatment of uh, women reporters at the State Duma is goes is bigger than just him because there are other men that do this as well, and so yeah, what do you do you think this is like a kind of cultural um, watershed moment for for Russian, you know, journalism? Or how would you describe it? Uh, not just that. I think it's a huge, uh, it, it is definitely a, a watershed moment, and I've never seen a, a, anything like this, frankly. And we are overwhelmed with, with feedback from all kinds of places. And there are actually, there are much more signatures. We just don't have the time to put them in all by hand because we have to check them. We have to... Uh, uh, yeah, because we we were we we were afraid that they will just someone will just flood their uh, the signature form with fake signatures, so we'll have we'll have to verify each one, and they're actually much more than that. And uh, you know they're coming in from all all kinds of places because at the end of the day, so there's like a uh, there is a sort of a, um, a stone wall between the state media outlets and the uh, and the other ones and the, all the independent ones because uh, you know we we like to dismiss them as these. Uh, Shills and propagandists, and uh, uh, they are calling us like uh, these liberal snowflakes or uh, you know liberal bias or whatever. So this is this, this kind of arguments uh, uh, are you know they must they must sound familiar to someone outside of Russia. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know all of us are navigating the same holes of power with all this uh, with all these creeps. Uh, uh, looking at the uh, young reporter's skirts and feeling themselves empowered to do whatever they want with them. You know, so the same, uh, the same women reporters from the same uh, state news agencies, uh, as we, uh, we, well, we just talk to them, so it, it does work the same way with them. So they, they feel as much threatened by these uh, creeps as uh, anyone else. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's the, I think it's one of the um, first times in in, um, uh, in recent history of r- Russian media. The last time it happened was like I think in 2003 or four when they were breaking uh, up the NTV, the old NTV, and people really went up in arms. Uh, but this time it's just uh, uh, it's uh, it's really us against them. It's uh, us, a community, uh, a reporting com- uh, rep- reporters community against people who feel they own us, that we are somehow their servants, so we are nothing more than, uh, you know, than, uh, uh, a microphone, uh, than, than a walking microphone stand for them. And this is pretty outrageous, of course, and uh, it's much more than Slutsky right now, and I, I frankly think his career is finished at this point, because with that kind of, uh, with, you know, with that, with that kind of Wikipedia entry, <laughs> I don't think he can be uh, a high-profile politician for much longer. I mean, if you if you look at his, I, I mean, if you look at his, at his uh, Russian Wikipedia page, it goes for several pages. Of his, uh, you know, the uh, the the, uh, the sexual harassment alone is uh, is taking up several pages at the moment. Yeah, uh, so so I think Slutsky is finished, uh, and uh, there's no way there's there's it's just going to be some critical mass of these uh, 
you know, a critical mass of these uh, uh, pretty convincing allegations against him. And, uh, you know, people who come to his defense with even more, with even more disgusting uh, uh, arguments in his defense. And I, I think they'll just, uh, you know, they'll just realize that it's not, just not worth keeping him uh, there. So, yeah, I think his, his, uh, uh, his career is coming to an end. And uh, I, I will personally take every effort in my power to do that, to, to uh, 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 which is, well, I'm pretty busy at, at the moment doing, doing just that. Uh, making sure that you know, making sure that this guy doesn't you know grab any of my colleagues ever again. At least I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do that because uh, I, I I don't actually know any of those girls. I've never met them. But uh, yeah, it's just it just frankly disgusts me. Yeah, it's just it, it's just it's just basic solidarity. Uh, but um, if he's, when, when, it's not a question of uh, if, it's uh, when he's finished. Then we, uh, we can ask a more important question. So how come a senior legislator is no longer allowed uh, to grab women reporters uh, while at work? But how come, for example, when uh, uh, that, uh, a professor is still allowed uh, uh, to uh, grab young female students or uh, imagine any similar situation of, uh, of, you know, of power and subservience and, uh, you know, male, the male domination. Can we now begin discussing those kind of, kinds of situations and how, you know, inappropriate they are? Because, yes, of course, there's a, there's a, of course it's, there's a raging online and offline debate uh, about, you know, traditional values and the roles of, uh, of uh, men and women in society. Uh, how men should be brave and valiant, and women should be, uh, you know, nice and, and pretty uh, and subservient. So yeah, okay, let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's uh, let's uh, uh, let's close this uh, this case and move on and discuss uh, you know uh, the larger problem of uh, you know sexism in the, in the Russian of blatant sexism in Russian society. And let's think of how we can do more to protect women from this kind of thing. Sure. Well, if I could bring it back to the, it is definitely, I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute that this is bigger than, than Slutsky now. And what I'd like to ask you about, I'd like to bring this back to the boycott because um, there, there's a question now of what impact it will have on the information that's available to the public about Russian lawmaking. And I know that, that um, I've been kind of flippant about, oh, well, you know, it's, this is actually just fine for for journalism because you don't really get any useful information at the Duma level anyway because the lawmakers there are not actual lawmakers. They're just sort of rubber stamping things handed to them by the Kremlin, you know, the various ministries, so forth and so on. And I I actually tweeted something to that effect earlier this week. And Ben Noble, a lecturer in Russian politics at the University College London uh, in the School of Slavonic and East European Studies, he had this this blog post after I after I tweeted that, and um, in it he makes an arg- he argues that uh, that actually there there is a lot of useful information gained at the State Duma, and I'll read an excerpt from his uh, blog post just to give you a sense of what his argument was. I'll, I'm going to start reading right now. Parliamentary correspondents have been vital actors in shedding light on intra-executive squabbling in the Duma by drawing on their access, connections, and knowledge of how the lower chamber 
of the legislature actually works, these correspondents can help bring to light and make sense of the sometimes downright odd machinations of legislative life in contemporary Russia. And then he goes on to say that uh, the correspondents in the parliamentary pool appreciate that uh, we should be thinking separately about, this is what his words are, actors, stages, and venues when analyzing lawmaking in Russia. And he's essentially recycling or he's sort of repeating an argument that he makes in a new book. He, he co-authored a chapter with Yekaterina Shulman where he argues um, I'm quoting again, evidence which at first sight might appear to signify legislative influence is often on closer inspection, the result of the Duma serving as a venue for policy bargaining and conflict between a diverse set of largely non-legislative interests, including executive and bureaucratic actors with divergent preferences. The state Duma is a place of action, but legislators as such are not necessarily, and in most cases are not likely, the first movers of this activity. So his argument, as I understand it, is that, sure, the Duma deputies aren't, they're, they're kind of, you know, um, they're vehicles for more important and powerful uh, political forces, but that we shouldn't just ignore them. And the consequence then of the Duma boycott by the media would presumably be that we're, we would be losing valuable information. What do you think about that? Okay, this is a complex uh, this is a complex argument, and uh, of course there's a uh, there's an ongoing debate about the validity of this boycott. Uh, so I'll try to break it uh, down into uh, several pieces. Uh, so there are there are very con convincing arguments uh, for both boycotting uh, the Duma and for keep covering it because you can still unearth valuable information. And I'll try to explain it with a, uh, in, in one of those uh, Facebook threads about the, uh, about the boycott. Um, and Interfax, which is one of the three major uh, news agencies in Russia, a business reporter from Interfax, uh, a woman, uh, because it, that matters uh, for, in this argument, um, uh, she posted a picture of a bunch of papers on a, on a desk with a laptop next to it. And it's just a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of notes and uh, and uh, and uh, spreadsheets and uh, it's a huge pile of papers, and she says, you know, all these papers are, are only going uh, in the in the database on Duma's website uh, in a week, if at all. Uh, but there are three stories. There there are three news stories, uh, three breaking news stories in that pile of papers. Go on and find them. So and that 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 was pretty convincing. Yeah. Uh, and then she went on to, to explain that an important amendment uh, to a bill was only added to the bill after the second reading, uh, which completely changed the whole narrative of the bill. So you have to, uh, so you really have to go in the Duma, and you you have to uh, maintain relations with certain deputies, and uh, you know uh, develop them as source as, as sources, and. Uh, 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 to get access to that kind of information, uh, because they will be uh, they will be explaining you the uh, a very obscure fine print uh, in the bill's wording, and to explain what they will explain you what it means, and in who who lobbied who lobbied to, to for that line for that particular line in that amendment to this particular bill, and what it means, and uh, who's lobbying whom, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, and of course it all matters. Uh, so yes, there's, there, it's, a, it's a very convincing argument uh, for 
covering the Duma and uh, in a in a traditional way, like going there, talk talking to these people, maintaining professional relations uh, with them, etc. Uh, uh, etc. Et whatever. This is the uh, you know this is uh, doing your basic journalistic job, uh, which is also true. Which is also which is a very convincing argument for covering the Duma. Uh, uh, but of course, uh, the argument against it is that all this information is going to be available in any case, and uh, uh, that that kind of uh, you know that kind of shadowy uh, behind-the-scenes lobbying uh, that you, you you said that it, it concerns one of the banks that was supposed to be bailed out by the state. Uh, it concerns the clients of that bank, and uh, it's a, it's a pretty obscure, very very specialized. Uh, information that only goes on the business desk of business pu of business publications. So it's like uh, you know inside uh, baseball stuff. Uh, so yeah, so 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 to to uh, unearth that kind of stuff, you you definitely have to go to to the Duma. And yeah, if you're if you're specialized in that in in that particular uh, you know if you're playing on that particular field, yeah, there is no other way for you to get that, to get access to that kind of information. Uh, but the argument against it is that you have to go to the source of that lobbying, uh, which is either uh, big business or the, the president's administration, because that's where most of the bills are uh, going to the Duma. Uh, because uh, you know the, the bills that uh, Duma themselves they come up with, they, they are pretty insignificant, or they are very populist that fall apart uh, after the second reading. Uh, because there's another there's, 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 there's another aspect to it, and I, I don't know how it, uh, how it works actually in the in the states with the uh, with the um, with people in the Congress, but there uh, people in the Duma they are obsessed with their image, they are obsessed with their media ratings, and they actually commissioned a, a media monitoring system for themselves, uh, and uh, every time the the, uh, the new ratings arrive, they're you know they're uh, you know it's a, it's a uh, it's a dick measuring contest between them. Or I got the, my, my ratings went up in the, my ratings in the media went up. You know the mentions in the media that they went up by two points. Oh, mine went up by three points. Why did they care if they're not actually like if they're not actually um, accountable to their constituents and they're just there on party lists? What does it matter if they have a good media rating? Why does anybody care about that sort of thing? Are uh, because they are vain. <laughs> because uh, they don't actually. Uh -huh. most, uh, yeah, most of them. They, most of them don't actually do any uh, don't do any legislation, and when they do, it's silly stuff like uh, I don't know, uh, banning lace underwear, like something that won't even pass, something that won't even pass the committee hearing because it's so because it's so absurd. Uh, but people surely grab the headlines because uh, uh, it's, a, it's 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 like a feedback loop because the media like the love. The media loves uh, the news stories about the uh, crazy new law that uh, the Duma proposed, or uh, and then it then it translates into then it, then it actually uh, uh, goes through the uh, ignorance filter and uh, through the language barrier, and then it reappears on the, on the pages of uh, the Western media uh, with headlines like Russia bans lace underwear, but not of course not like that happened. It's just one deputy with a uh, with uh, an inferiority complex uh, about his media uh, ratings, mm -hmm. proposed something uh, 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 something impossible to get in the headlines, and that, that that's what he did, and that's uh, that's a, so that that's a, that's a pretty symbiotic relationship. 
uh, between the, uh, the, the Duma and the Russian media. And uh, I'm seeing it uh, uh, in, a, in a matter of days, it's just dissolving. So uh, my colleagues are saying, no, we're not playing this game with you anymore because you're our asshole. Right. And if journalists now are withdrawing from the State Duma, where previously they've been reporting on kind of laws after the lobbyists and the government ministries and the Kremlin prepare them, um, is it possible? Do you, do you think that, that possibly reporters will be able to do better work by going to those sources to learn about legislation before it's made or as it's sort of as as the the amendments are brokered would it be more effective journalism to go to the power sources and learn kind of more directly from them how the laws are being made and and negotiated or is it still better to do it at the duma because the duma is more porous in terms of access to information because the deputies are kind of attention whores and they will do anything to get their names around. They might divulge information that a lobbyist or a, or a ministry official wouldn't. Is this going, I mean, I guess one of the questions I have is, is will the boycott hurt the quality of journalism when it comes to reporting on legislative initiatives in Russia? Are we going to be losing or gaining or is that, I mean, obviously that's not the reason for the boycott. The boycott is about justice and safety for journalists. But putting that aside, how does the sort of, uh, how does how do audiences fare here when it comes to the knowledge we gain from reading journalism? Okay, so that again, that again concerns very different audiences. So for very specialized business publications, uh, you know, people who read those kind of uh, newspapers like RBC and Vedomosti, uh, I think they are. They have their own sources who will tell them uh, whatever they need. Uh, you know, people who run uh, business in Russia, uh, they don't actually need uh, to uh, to rely on journalists to tell them what, what's going on in, in the politics that uh, you know affects their businesses. Uh, but that's this is my speculation. But uh, uh, the point is that uh, I don't think it's uh, the the boycott is sure, surely won't last forever. It just we we want to destroy this guy. Because he hurt, he hurt one of ours, and we want to teach uh, the others a lesson. And as soon as we get what we want, uh, it's going to be business as usual, as long as they you know they, they don't grab girls uh, uh, by the groin, which is what this guy did, which is what approach them and grab them grab them between the legs. As soon as they as long as they don't do that, it's going to be business as usual. Uh, and yet, uh, I think, um, uh, uh, you know, the general public, want, I don't think it will uh, really notice uh, because the majority of the coverage, you know, the, most of the uh, coverage that the, that the general public sees uh, comes from the state media. And of course, the state media, for the state media, nothing really happens. It's just, just going to be business as usual for them, uh, with, with probably the exception that a few women reporters from uh, TAS or RIA Novosti or RT will approach the editors and ask them to not send them to the Duma anymore. Uh, because, uh, and uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the editors uh, in, in those kind of places, uh, will, uh, you know, uh, normally they, will, uh, they, they would just tell them just to suck it up and, uh, uh, you know, wipe your teeth away and, uh, and, and be a big girl. Uh, but I don't, I don't think, well, I really don't think that they are just really go, just going to tolerate this anymore because they're seeing that they're not alone in this. And I think that's uh, what really matters. And I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really evaluating, uh, re-evaluating a lot of my, uh, you know, pre previous positions on, on, on the state media because, 
Um, I've been pretty critical of RT and the state media because, well, if you look at the front pages of the websites, it's, uh, you know, it's just really, you know, they're gushing with this enthusiasm about these, uh, these government initiatives. Uh, yeah, but uh, now I, I, I can really feel that, uh, you know, these are, these are my colleagues and I will stand up for them. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Russian investigative journalist Alexei Kovalyov. I encourage you to follow him on Twitter, where he's very active. I'll add a hyperlink to his account in the description of this podcast episode. If you like this episode, please consider throwing me a little cash on Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock. Become a monthly subscriber. Help me pay for SoundCloud hosting and audio equipment. Be a pal. Thanks as always. Until next time. Плыть по морю голубому, помогать в беде любому, видит солнце облака, в этом счастье моряка.